Hey, this is the Geek Down. This is Pat B, and I'm in the house with. Oh man, I don't got the so don't yeah. know for that. Do this for a living, do you, my brother? <laughs> I was wait, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> wait, hold on a second, hold on a second. You the thriller priest. All right, cool. You know what's up, man? I'm tired of these weak ass headphones, dude. It's been Are a you? long time since we actually had some clear sound. You know what I'm gonna do? What you gonna do? I'm gonna go to tweakedaudio.com, get us some like actual working, legit products. Okay. All right. Anyone knows tweakedaudio.com? You can actually go there and get good headphones that work at a decent price. All right, all right. Actually, dig this, man. I know this is like a plug. It's obvious, but dig this. We have a uh, relationship with Tweak that gets you all. That's right, you listening audience, thirty uh, percent off if you oh, use the code oh, oh, oh. W E M F. When you go to tweakedaudio.com. 30%. That's right, right? All right. That's nice, right? That's real nice. Dungeon, That's yeah. pretty good, man. I like that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Once again, the code is WEMF. Use that and tell them we sent you. It's tweakedaudio.com. Check them out. And then thank you from the geek down. Peace. Hey, I'm Pat B. And in the house, Adam Willis could not be here, but I'm here with JM, the Thriller Priest. Peace, and peace. Just Johnny. Yo. And this is the geek down on WEMF Radio. With bionically. <laughs> That's right, bionically in all directions, yo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode. I'm amped, I'm jazzed, I'm pumped, I'm, ah, I'm in the zone. <laughs> oh, gotta get that out every week, man. Gotta, you know, keep the keep the vocals flowing. Otherwise, I can't expose these dulcet tones to the people. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just one of those moods, man. But yo, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Geek Down. I am Pat B. In the house, we are joined by, of course, my main man, my homeboy from way back, old school. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, of course, about JM the Fuller Priest. Peace, peace. I'm not going front. I actually started listening to the intro right there, and I'm like, is that Master Shake screaming? <laughs> Get your hands off me. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say it is, but I'm not going to say it isn't, my brother. Okay, I'll take that. All right, all right, all right. And to the left of me, looking very, I don't know, very focused, very in the zone, mm-hmm. engineer supreme, engineer extraordinaire, and I can't really continue this line of alliteration, so I'll just say, just Johnny. Yo again. You are it's always understated, man. We got to get you like a corny catchphrase or something. That's it, man. I operate on zeros and ones. Wow. It's gotta, <laughs> what? Wow. That is all. Okay, you binary son of a... B- uh, hey, and I look to the booth over there, my main man, keeping us sounding crisp and delicious every week, DJ Herbie Herb. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Oh, dude, you didn't have a soundbite this week, man. What's going on? I know. I'm sleeping. Nah, it's okay. It's okay. I won't, I won't, I won't. That is a soundbite right there. That, that's the soundbite. Oh, that's the soundbite? He's sleeping. Yep. Oh, man, he caught we'll, me. We'll that. Would you look at that? He caught me sleeping. Isn't that just a biz? <laughs> All right. Well, in the house, we are not alone. If you are watching us on Twitch, you definitely should be, and thank you for that. If you are not, you can go to twitch.com. TV slash the geek down all one word and you will see our pretty faces and also in house we have creator of time watch the uh, new tabletop RPG action based there's horror there's adventure there's excitement there's time travel you can punch Nazis in the face yeah creator and all around awesome guy Kevin Cole it really is all about punching Nazis in the face thanks it's really good to be here uh, well thank you for joining us man I'm saying though we really need to let people know you don't like Nazis, douche, catch him in the neck. That's how I played. You know, boom, boom, right Especially if you can't run that fast like the guy did <laughs> when he punched a Nazi in the face. If you can't run that fast, it's your close thing to do it. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's ease off the politics for one second, my brother. We have an, we have an action-packed, fun-filled show for you as always, but we have to take a minute to get there because before you have the fun, kids, before the fun can commence, dude, why is this show every week just like the running? It's a running gag. There's deaths <laughs> and so sadness to start Jeez, every man. show. It's ridiculous. It really is, man. It's yeah. just it's, it's, it's starting to become a little much, but hey, it uh, is what it is. It's my profession, so I might just eat this at this point. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. The hey. Thriller Priest is not just a uh, it's not just a clever Monica dude. That is that is what you do. Yes, it is. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. All right, man. Well, let me just jump into it right real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, we lost Mary Tyler Moore, beloved mm-hmm. TV actress, icon, and pioneer. MTM man mm-hmm. passed away at age 80, dude. Mm. I mean, that is, a, that is a good long life. It is. Still. It's a good run, but still. It came out of left field, man. Like, I love me some MTM, man. I used to watch her when I was a kid with my mama. Watch Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Laura Petrie and those Capris, man. Yeah, for real. She, she was Fox back in the day, boy. I was a young man through puberty. Mm. Um, <laughs> family family rated show, yeah. <laughs> we got to keep it clean on WEMF Radio. <laughs> All right, so now she's best known as uh, one of TV's most beloved wives. I mentioned Laura Petrie on mm-hmm. the Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, so I grew up with Nick at Night. I'm not that old, mm-hmm. but you know that's where I got a sense of all this, a taste of all this, and classic comedy. Mm-hmm. And the perfect foil for that was playing off of Laura Petrie, the wife. Mm-hmm. You know, the key wives to me are like: there's Laura Petrie, there's uh, Carol Brady, mm-hmm. there's Claire Huxtable, Claire Huxtable, mm-hmm. Mrs. Huxtable, mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. and Roseanne Barr, uh, Roseanne Arnold. I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like I mentioned, she was a groundbreaking actress. She was also a producer, 
and she broke barriers playing like you know single uh, uh, 30s AIDS women who were also working professionals you mm-hmm. know, back when that wasn't really a thing that was happening on TV mm-hmm. you know um, and the media in general like you turn on movies you know the, the damsel in distress thing is all you knew you know or she's the old witch she's kidnapped your children you gotta come back and get them but then you gotta sacrifice a finger or an arm or you know, I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I mean you yeah. ain't lying on that one man because one of the things that I gotta give it as props for is the fact that they keep um, not they eat um, entertainment tonight and all these other news networks are reporting Barry Tyler Boyd's death mm-hmm. kept showing the one clip of her arguing that she was an associate producer and she should be treated <laughs> as such and it's sad I mean it's a beautiful thing but the sad part is there somewhere in America there's a woman screaming at the exact same line yeah. that I'm an associate producer of the show, and you're still not giving me my damn due. Dude, well, as a man raised mostly by a single mother, I want to say thank mm-hmm. you for your efforts mm-hmm. and making it possible for, you know, my own mother to uh, make a living and keep me alive and well so I can hey, come man, on that. air every week and do this BS. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, I, I'm appreciative. Donnie? What's the matter, man? You, you seem to have something to say. No, I'm just adjusting my mic. Ah, I see. <laughs> that is all. Well, we're going to edit that out later. Um, <laughs> post, post-production. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But no, she was also a passionate advocate for um, uh, juvenile diabetes. Mm-hmm. She did extensive work with the Research Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's, I like when celebrities use their power as celebrity for mm-hmm. good. You know, this isn't like, you know, oh, the latest celebrity talent was caught in an upskirt and limo somewhere. This is actually someone who did a lot of good over the course of her career. Absolutely, man. I mean, much of it is coming from the fact that she had her own tragedy. She was going through her own life, man, mm-hmm. with her own alcoholism. I mean, her son accidentally killing himself. Yeah. I mean, her going through divorces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she's seen through it. She's been through it, man. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that she would take up a cause like that, just seeing all the hurt in the world in her own life. And just saying, hey, I'm going to use my stardom to be able to benefit the lives of others because I've been through it, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I am a celebrity and I have this um, success. Well, dude, I mean, it's true. Uh, she did all that, and then her, her death came out of nowhere because she was still working. A lot of people think, you know, you get to a certain point and you retire. She was actually uh, re- uh, re- uh, making regular appearances on Hot, on Hot in Cleveland. You ever watch Hot in Cleveland? Nah. Oh, Actually, no, I'm lying. I have. Yeah, I saw episode two. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't front say I remember it all. But, oh. yeah, I do remember um, that she did make an appearance on it. Mm-hmm. If anyone doesn't know, Hot in Cleveland is pretty much this generation's Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm okay with it, man. Jane Leaves for years was just like, you know, my my obscure across-the-pond fantasy. <laughs> it came to, like, you know, pure class of an English woman. It was all Daphne Moon. Mm-hmm. Then, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Wait, what? You don't know Daphne Moon? Johnny gave me Johnny gave me this look. No, no. Like, are you out your damn mind? And I'm like, what? No, I'm good. Okay, all right. Yeah, you 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 got expression. He said, man. no one can take the place of Blanche Devereaux. Yeah. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're right. You're right. Rue McClanahan. Um, yeah, I remember her very vividly for her work as 36, 24, 30. No. Um, this is such a respectful obituary, man. R.I.P. Man, Blanche Devereaux, man. Yeah. Do you know how many people in the hood were, were mourning over her death, man? Like well, that's Blanche Devereaux. Like no, that's right. Out of those four, man. Out of those you four, know, that's Blanche. She liked like, the brothers, man. You know, it, it was, it was she was now swirl. Blanche could hang. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right, well, okay, okay. We've gone su- down such a weird little bit, a little bit. All right, but um, uh, Mary Tyler Moore passed away on January 25th. Uh, mm-hmm. Her death was attributed to uh, pneum- a combination of um, pneumonia, hypoxia, and uh, diabetes. She had actually struggled with that for a long time, and just finally claimed it. Mm-hmm. Right. Sad man. So Mary Tyler Moore, actress, producer, pioneer, even passed away age 80. Rest in peace. R.I.P. We actually have, we, it doesn't end there, y'all. No, it's um, not. Because we lost Sir John Hurt. You know, mm. If anyone doesn't know John Hurt, two-time Oscar-nominated star of The Elephant Man, Harry Potter, and Alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away uh, just recently. Now, if anyone doesn't know John Hurt the name, you pro- most likely know John Hurt the face. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And this dude did a lot of work, most notably in Aliens as the dude who... <laughs> He's talking about yeah, yeah. Pretty much like the first, uh, the first what I'm gonna do after retirement speech. Yes. You know, I'm gonna go back to Earth and get you know so and so, and then he drops on the table and just what's going on, man? The food ain't that bad. And then pull him out of his chest. The alien out his chest. Out his chest, man. Yeah. Oh, that is a remarkably accurate recreation. Thank you, thank you very much. I've studied that scene backwards and forwards. It's made its way very much into my. I um, what do you call it? Reenacted it for my bar mitzvah. Um, but no, that's John Hurt. Hurt was an acclaimed actor, and he did voice work. A lot of people don't know this, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you've heard his voice, you know the roles he did, but probably aren't aware that that was John Hurt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, his career spans six decades, dude. He's been doing it forever. Now, mind you, okay, I, okay, before anyone jumps on me there, he is one of these dudes that's looked old forever. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's like Ham, Wilford Brimley, Morgan Freeman. You know, these cats. Five minutes. Seriously. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm Wilford Brimley. <laughs> I'm here to talk about diabetes. Excuse me while I punch a baby. All right, now. Nah, no, that dude. You know what? You know what's messed up before? Like Cocoon. We know him as like this old guy who talked that funny ways. Basically, like um, the, he's the proto Ron, not Burgundy. Perlman. No. <laughs> no, the other hardcore SOB. Oh. Yeah, yeah, the guy from Community. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, he's he's like the original him. Yep. And people don't know that before Cocoon, and he was cast as this like you know old crotchety guy. He played like ultimate badasses. Yes, he did. Yeah, he was like freaking I don't know fat Jason Statham. You know, <laughs> like he was just this diesel dude he didn't mess with. Seriously, that was that was him, and he was like a bodybuilder and stuff, man. And like he worked security for people, mm-hmm. like like Mr. T without the mohawk and flair. You know, and and he, and we just got to know him as just this this withered old crotchety man who spoke like. It, well, anyways, but anyway, um, yeah. Well, no, I mean, John Hurt was one of these dudes. Mm-hmm. He was he was in like his forties in Alien, but he looked one hundred and six. <laughs> you know, this dude ever since like across his. Oh, I'm sorry. I, mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I really do love his work, but you can't get past that. It's just like, I mean, I, I chuckled and I that choked on my coffee here <laughs> because I'm looking at the fact that he was rich and rich in uh, Man of All Seasons. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, he looked old. Oh, he was in that role. Uh-huh, <laughs> so, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, man, he forever looked old. Yeah, but, I mean, he did, he did great work. Like, he, he did. took roles that really um, allowed him to use that look and his specific characteristics mm-hmm. to work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple of them listed here. I'll just run them down because... Uh, I knew most of these, but I'm a you know film buff, and it's hard to it's hard to actually realize that most people don't know all these things. Most mm-hmm. people haven't seen 1984, the movie. They've read the book, mm-hmm. the movie. There was a film. It wasn't good. I didn't even see John. the film. I got to step my game up. I'm reading the book now. Yeah, yeah, Rereading yeah. the book. Yeah, the, the film was old school, man. 1984 came out in 84. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, you may have seen. Well, okay, it's pretty famous now. Do you remember the old? Um, it's an Apple commercial. Okay. Uh, from like the Olympics way, way back. They probably did not a bunch of things. The most famous one, I think, for our generation would be in Futurama with the Planet Express guy um, from the 80s. Yeah. Who came back and yeah. made like, you know, ran the business, made a commercial for them. Yeah. It was actually parodying this old commercial that parodied the, uh, parodied the John Hurt movie. Oh, huh, okay. Yeah. It's all the right. one where the everyone's watching the screen and it's this head saying all this oh, like, fascist yeah, okay, communist yep. stuff mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. people. And they're all just like drones. And then this one person runs in. In the original, it's like a sledgehammer. She just like you know swings mm-hmm, it around. Mm-hmm. In Fujirama, it was the Planet Express box. Yep, <laughs> yeah. that came from 1984, the movie, uh, which was popular at the time. Dude, I think it was mostly just off the juice of the story. Probably but John Hurt, spectacular performance in there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of the movie is tired and boring. But <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to people. But over the years, different generations would identify him across different roles, from films like Midnight Express, mm-hmm. from TV roles like The Naked Civil Servant, which is one not a lot of people know. But was really like groundbreaking role. He was one of the first dudes, like prominent actors at that point in his career, to play a uh, transvestite. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, true story. You got this guy Quentin Crisp. Okay, mm-hmm. and he played a man who lived his life at, in England, don't mind you, who right. has really strict uh, laws against, or had really strict laws against uh, transvestite transvestitism and homosexuality. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, dude, I mean, he was one of the dudes to tackle this head on, and like, still, like, he's he's been knighted. You know, like so, yep. so still earn accolades from such things. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also, one of my favorite roles he did, which was more recent, uh, on Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. He played the War Doctor, which no one really speaks of. He's <laughs> the one that caused him. So. Yeah. Um, dang it. Uh, most famously, the Elephant Man. I mentioned that. Yep. On Wednesday, uh, January twenty fifth, same day, uh, he passed away from uh, pancreatic cancer. Mm. Yeah. So he was seventy seven years old. He'd been struggling for a long time, and it finally took him. Mm. All right, so Sir John Hurt, we salute your catalog. Yes, sir. Remember you from V for Vendetta? Yep. As Aragorn in the original um, animated Lord of the Rings? Yep. And from several other projects, and we wish you well. Rest in peace. R.I.P. All right. And finally, um, oh, one, I, know, I know I know you're dying to talk about Jay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I should, I should be chuckling <laughs> no, at the shouldn't. passing away of someone, <laughs> but this person's a legend, a legend in some sort of way. A legend in sadness and human indecency. In many ways. Yeah. Uh, founder of World Star Hip Hop. Star! <laughs> uh, dies at a San Diego massage parlor. The most appropriate I mean, place to go. If you go go out, yeah. <laughs> you need it, to go out of a massage parlor. Like, it, it, it was either that. You know, um, uh, trying to steal a flat screen in a flash flood, <laughs> or 
or in, in, in a mob battle, not 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 fight, not fisticuffs, battle over a, over a, a, a bill at Chick Fil A <laughs> over less than seven dollars. He right? really could have went down like that. I mean, yeah, had to be, had to be. But no, no, no. Um, passed at a massage parlor in San Diego. If you have uh, to die at a massage parlor, I hope that it was a happy ending. <laughs> Kevin Cup, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Cup. Nothing but class. <laughs> Woo! Well played. Well played. Okay, so Lee Odenot, aka Q, just Q, uh, mm-hmm. founded World Star in 2005 and made the site into a more curated form of YouTube. Um, it's now centering on music, police videos, and most infamously, like we mentioned, uh, clips of fights and public sex. Now, on January 23rd, he was at a business identified by police as a massage parlor. <laughs> and uh, when he became unresponsive, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't laugh, but I'm, it's... I mean, it's one of those sort of things where it's like when you, when you create something like World Star. And, I mean, even the way the story was written, it was really vague. It was like he was, he, all of a sudden, he was unresponsive. He had a heart attack, and he was unresponsive, and that was it. We just found him at a massage parlor. Yeah, Paramount couldn't like, explain the rigor mortis mm-hmm. smile on his face. <laughs> we don't know if his pants was around his ankles. We don't know none of that sort of stuff. So, it'd be, it's very vague in how it was written on purpose. Mm-hmm. And honestly, based upon, based upon the fact that he was the guy who found World Star, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised the story is written as vague. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. probably, it's what it is. I wrote that in his will. Um, but when paramedics arrived, they uh, pronounced him dead. Uh, apparently, the causes were heart failure and obesity. Mm. So, I mean, you talk about hedonism. Mm. Lifestyle. Mm, mm. All right. So that was Q, founder of World Star Hip Hop. I would say rest in peace and mean it, but I'm pretty sure, like, you know, nah, you you, 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 you rest in something else, man. You found, you found yours. Thanks for but, real, um, man. All right. Okay. Now, actually, a serious business. Let's get on to something a little more respectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually need to talk about the Nintendo Switch. Now, Johnny, I want you have the, uh, to take point on this because you got the inside track. Yeah, I've been following the Nintendo Switch uh, ever since it got that first initial uh, reveal trailer back in October. I've been following it before then uh, when it was called the NX, when yeah. Nintendo announced that uh, over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been following it. There wasn't any information whatsoever. And there was a lot of rumors, a lot of speculation. There's still a lot more rumors and speculation. But what has been revealed... Uh, which earlier this month, uh, on the 12th, Nintendo went for their full-blown, their supposed full-blown reveal. Uh, and so they went from their initial reveal trailer in October from a really huge high on that. A lot of fans were really impressed. Everyone was excited. Hype was through the window. Um, sort of what you could sort of sense well, from like, all different things. I remember those. I remember those initial previews. Yep. Dude, the thing looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say, though, so did the Wii U, and so (laughs) did, yeah. Well, uh, in a different way, I wouldn't wouldn't put it on the same level of Wii U. I didn't think the Wii U had uh, as good of an initial reveal, first reveal. What? I agree. Oh, I agree. Haters! I agree. (laughs) Haters! Uh, I was like, like, okay, basically everything I thought um, you're supposed to be able to do with the Switch. I thought from those previews you'd be able to do with the Wii U. I was excited. Oh, okay. That's oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but you couldn't, and that was the big well, problem. Okay, somebody got misled. That came later, yeah. and I admit I was wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's how the Switch was. It was basically like, hey, remember the Wii U and how you wished it was this one thing? Well, <laughs> now it's finally here. It is that one thing that you wanted with the Wii U. Sounds like Apple. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, so that was their first reveal, their first trailer reveal, and it was great. A lot of people were excited, and then, but there wasn't a lot of information about it, so there was a lot of speculation. And then they finally did, uh, did their big presentation it was an hour long and they the first things that they got out of the way $300 price tag it's mm. coming out March 3rd which was sooner than people expected it has uh these very unique uh controls these uh Joy-Con controllers uh and what people didn't realize was that these Joy-Con controllers um they didn't really people kind of speculated that they had motion control mm-hmm. uh but they went full-blown explanation when their first revealed trailer was sort of dumbing down anything else other than pure hardcore gaming mm-hmm. so when Nintendo uh finally did like their full this is what the system can do explanation. People sort of didn't like the fact that they were focusing too much on the motion controls and things that were sort of already done before. 
now. We'll see, we'll see now. Yep. That, that's, the, that's the thing that gets me, though. Everyone's still fixated on Nintendo's been doing the same control structure for so long. Like, that's their thing. They're not really... I don't, I, don't, I don't get the sense that they're open to change. Like, I'm open to them trying anything new because Nintendo, for me, for years... Has just been stale. Has been kind of stagnant. I'm. I mean, yeah. I, I. I became an Xbox guy. I was a hardcore Nintendo player for most of my life. Well, actually, I'm old now, so I'm gonna say about half my life now. Time passes, my friend. Mm-hmm. But I was a Nintendo player for a long time. I thought they could do no wrong, and then they just gradually lost me by not staying with the time, by not adapting. It's. I, I get the sense that they're falling back into that pattern. Well, in a different way, though. So everyone was sort of in that boat that you were in, where like Nintendo has burned people before. Uh, but from that initial reveal I've trailer, so much. from that from that initial trailer, uh, a lot of people were like, "All right, I am potentially back on board." But the presentation and what they did. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some very new things that they're doing with this thing. Uh, the IR sensor that's on the right Joy-Con uh, has basically connect functionality. It can sense depth. Uh, with its IR uh, sensing capability, so it can also like if you do paper rock scissors, it'll know that you're throwing rock or paper or scissors. Huh. Okay. Yeah, but that's all, all like right. flash and pan right. stuff. We'll wait till we'll, we'll wait to see if they can actually deliver. Yeah. Um, there's one bit of controversy. They're talking about Japan's getting uh, all types of incentives for things that won't be available to Western audiences. Like? Oh, um, like well, something small things like color options. Even hmm. like, here, here, here they, in the West, it's going to yeah. be white uh, and only white. Uh, in Japan, anything they want. You know, they can mix and match all types of good stuff. Over here, it's like very Aryan. They're trying to appeal to the truth. <laughs> but, but, you know, but no, you see what I'm saying, though? It's, like, it's, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's limiting, you know. I, I, and there's, as of right now, I can see no logical base for it, you know? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. so Japan does does do that. It's sort of like a historical thing. But one thing that they did do, which was very surprising, I never expected Nintendo to do this, was that they removed region locking. Which is a huge, huge deal because uh, the PS4 and the Nintendo, whatever their consoles are, are pretty much the only systems that get uh, Japanese-made games put on them. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Xbox, it's it's almost always like they'll port PS4 games to it, but they'll never make a game for the Xbox uh, for that system. Going on there, yeah. Uh, so that was a huge deal because there were a bunch of games that came out for like Wii or or Wii U or what have you that only made it to like. Europe, but never made it to the United States. So that is a pretty big deal. But going back uh, just a little bit on one of the new main features is the HD rumble. And I think that could potentially be a very big, very serious thing. I mean, as big as HD rumble can get. But we're talking, this is some crazy new tech. Like, all right, so I'm going to hold up this bottle of water all in right. my hand. You got and, visual aids, man, really? Yeah, hey, man, well, it was there. So it's I'm gonna radio, it. my brother. <laughs> so I'm holding the bottle of we water in my hand. All right, all right. And I'm giving it a little shake, and I can feel like the, the water sort of move around inside this bottle. He's shaking the, the bottle, HD y'all. rumble can do simulate that exactly. Oh. Ah, okay. Right. So I'm going to be very impressed by something the Dreamcast had years ago. Um, okay, okay, all right. Now let's let's wrap this up. We're, 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 Come on, we're, P. You, you, you really? I, I'm sp- I'm spelling a little Brother? haterade here nah, on nah. the Nintendo. I know you got burnt. I'm I, not going for. I haven't touched. I haven't touched anything Nintendo mm-hmm. beyond the GameCube. I was like, I'm good. Well, Their you, best system, huh? Their best system. I agree. I was bought in as soon as they deviated from home systems. It's like, okay, we're just mm-hmm. gonna focus on portables. I'm like, I'm not really want to mess with you no more. I'm good. I quit on Nintendo, but I'm a little excited about this. I'm, I'm really interested to see where it I goes. am a. I am a conscious consumer. I pay attention to the four tenants. Okay, hardware. Advancement. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. All right. Timetable mm-hmm. and endurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you, you trying to tell me you don't have any of that? No. So you put those oh. together and you get my standpoint on this. Um, yeah. so, all right. So now, uh, no, I, we, we got to wrap up because I want to gotcha. get. I want to talk about yep. uh, the fig talks, which you actually got to go to, man. Yeah, I did the fig talks. Uh, so we're talking about the Boston fig talks. Yes, we are. Yes, uh, we are. For uh, which happened this past Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, and I went there. I set up a bunch of equipment, went to the press room, and basically just waited. I did schedule a few uh, interviews with some developers, but kind of waited for uh, some other developers to come and hit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I talked to a bunch of different people, sh- saw what they.
they had in line. Uh, two of them were board games, and uh, there were four other video games that I got to uh, take a look at. Um, so the first board game is this board game called Aegis. And, uh, Wait, pause. We're yep. familiar with Aegis. Yes. We've uh, actually played it on the show mm. and had the developers on as guests. They're friends of the show. All right. And uh, still waiting for them to come back, y'all. Well, actually, what? he said uh, for you, he told me to tell you that he said what's up. Me specifically? Yeah. Zephyr, you crazy bastard. Yeah. Come on back when you're ready. Uh, it's on my breeze. Yeah, breeze. Yeah, yeah. Good, good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, and that game, uh, from what he described, so he didn't have it on hand, but uh, what he described for the board game, and uh, there was some images. And if anyone wants to see like any of these interviews that I've done with these uh, developers, uh, they're available on our YouTube page. The entire interview uh, in its entirety and whatever it is that they show. I also throw up some graphics and stuff like that so you can get the full-blown uh, details on each of these individual projects. So that one, the basically robot board game, very tactical. Uh, we'll give the link at the end of the show, by the it way. Sounds, it sounds amazing. So that one, I was... Uh, that was a cool one to sort of hear about, but I couldn't actually check it out. The next one was uh, a game uh, by Copper Frog Games called uh, Tattoo the Game of Ink. Hmm. And okay. it's basically a board game uh, where you have an arm on your that's your board. It's like this empty arm, and then you buy tattoos and place them onto the board, and your goal is to make the best-looking arm, and you have to sort of combo together these pieces uh, these different themed tattoos in order to min-max your, your scores that you're getting okay. in a very kind of like Scrabble kind of way because there are like, you know, double word bonus kind of thing. Double word score. All right. But it's, All right. But it's on, based on the tattoo itself. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Very different. Like bathroom wall um, game. Go ahead. The next one was uh, Subaltern Games. Uh, they had a, sort of a knock game uh, called Trader Nightly. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. I would say just take a look at the interview, and it's better described by the dev. But it's basically your inter the game the game not game is basically you're interviewing this talk show host, and during the interview you're also playing a board game that only exists within this world that you are Wait, experiencing. So, so it's like so it's like you're at work ignoring work. To play the game, to play a game inside a game, kind of, yeah. <laughs> wow. It's 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 That's... weird. He does a way better job explaining it. Uh, it was three out of three out of five days yeah. of my week, man. It's very interesting. I recommend it. James um, is playing it now. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> There's um, uh, there was another one, uh, Delight's Plight, and this game I only got to see the trailer. Um, Sounds pornographic, and it's uh, made by Antunes. <laughs> oh, a little bit, a little bit. I would say the just from the animation work. By itself, absolutely amazing. We're talking like Cuphead level of quality, except different style of animation, but like very hand-drawn animation. Everything that's in there is sort of hand-drawn animated, kind of like a 90s cartoon. Okay, okay, I'm going to yep. put you in, in review mode real quick, legit. Um, would it have, considering that uh, comparison, would it have the same problems that Cuphead had, uh, uh, repetition, uh, because so much focus put on it was on the actual look of the game that longevity isn't really a problem. You can play it for a certain amount of time, but you'll get bored very fast. So from what was just shown off in the trailer and from what the developer that I interviewed him uh, sort of explained, they change up the levels. They change up what you're sort of experiencing dramatically. I'm mm. talking yeah, really dramatic. Like you'll hop in... Ho hop into someone's heart and go into like this heart world where there's these strange things that I've never seen before wow. attacking you and you're attacking back and there's like these ladies with like uh, naked lady bodies with no head <laughs> but they have like these little tassels connected to their nipples that then connect to like these flying creatures that are Jeez, bro. attacking you it is absolutely wow. bonkers insane the fr I think right, the so first part what Johnny's of saying is yeah. so when, the, when the stuff wore, wore off he was having a great time. So it's a children's <laughs> game. It's, yeah. Yes, it's a children's It's basically, uh, I would say, like, Heavy Metal, the movie, okay. combined with, like, uh, Animaniacs-style animation. What? It is really wow. awesome. Really, I'm, I'm, really I'm awesome. Glad, I'm glad you said that, because I was envisioning, you know, you're riding in a car with Denzel, he hands you a pipe and tells you, if you don't smoke this, we have a problem. Uh, and <laughs> All right, so it's the, it's, the, it's the Boston Fig Talk, so I mean, to yep. cut you off, we're starting to run short on time. It's the Boston Fig Talk. This was pretty much an exposition. Of uh, of uh, Boston-based companies showing off this stuff. Yes, and you got a taste of this, man. Um, you looking forward to the next event? 
I am. Uh, they definitely had some interesting things there. I think their next event is going to be uh, half a year from now for their main Boston Fig, the more public one. This one was a developer-focused thing where other game developers sort of talk and have talks and sort of teach each other different nuances of game development, game design, things like that. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Cats can actually check uh, out more information if they want on some of the Boston on some of the Boston Festival of Indie Games mm-hmm. uh, happenings and events at uh, bfig.com. That's correct, right? That is correct. And right. also, if anyone wants again, once again, see the interviews, you can see them on our YouTube page. Yes, youtube.com slash geekdown. All right, so I'm looking across the table at this smiling gentleman right here, a very debonair individual in his Cosby sweater, uh, who's the creator of, we actually have visual aids this time, so I'm showing the camera, isn't that just bugged out, uh, of Time Watch. Oh, Johnny got the thing up. So I got now, it up on Steam. Now I look at the right, media. Stream. All right, but, uh, well, for, okay, from the mouths of babes themselves, Kevin, first of all, thanks for joining us. Of course, thanks for having me. All right, Kevin Cup, you want to give us a uh, quick breakdown of what is Time Watch? Sure, okay, so Time Watch is a pen and paper role-playing game where you play effectively time cops from any point in history. You can play a caveman, you can mm. play someone from the far future, what have you. You had me and a time cop just so I can walk that sweet mullet. Like nice. Wait, like I thought I had you at punching dinosaurs in the face. Well, I mean, we'll get there. You had right, me at punching enough. Nazis yeah. in the face. Well, that I, was, you bought me. There's a lot of possibility. Okay. Hey, so, babe, hey, babe, baby. I got, I got two fists, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. So, point is, you're a time cop. Your job is to fix history when someone else screws it up. <laughs> so, somebody else sabotages some kind of historical event. In order to make history go to what they want it to be, your job is to figure out what happened, work your way back or work your way forward, and fix it so everything snaps back into place. All right. Okay. Pretty simple. Pretty same forward. I played this game. It is not that simple. <laughs> not that straightforward. <laughs> this is the most involved. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm having a blast. But it is involved. It is deep. All right. The characters are dope, by the way. I'm not sure if it's all prefab because you can create your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I myself am... <clears throat> I myself am playing as Murdoch, the 1940s uh, uh, detective. You know, and, and, okay. Yeah, yeah. Chain smoking all my way through, talking like this, sweetheart. And I got my, I got my six shooter, and I'm ready to kick some bootay across time. <laughs> and I, I've been having a blast. What I like about it is it's really freeform. Yeah. Like I've been playing D and D, and it's uh, you know a structured set of rules. This has its own structured set of rules, but everything's malleable. Like instead of um, I'm going on this mission. I can only do this. I can choose what I want, and down the line, I can also roll to see, uh, you know, what else I can introduce to gameplay. I'm, I'm trying to be not, I'm speaking obtuse terms. I'm not sure how much you want to no, well, actually. Let, um, let me point out my favorite divulge. rule of the game. So yeah. you're a ta- you're a time traveler, right? Yeah. Which means that you can use time travel to your advantage. It's mm-hmm. sort of the Bill and Ted thing. Yeah. So let's say totally. someone to- exactly. Okay. So someone's taking you captive. They've got you tied up, or you're sitting in a chair. They've taken away your weapons. You can say, screw this. Tomorrow, I'm going to go back in time and duct tape a pistol underneath the table. Yeah. And as long as you haven't looked under the table, you make your roll, you reach under the table, you pull out the pistol, you shoot the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, same sort of thing. You're in a burning building. You can't find an exit. You say, tomorrow, I'm going to go back in time and change the blueprint so that I can find a way out. You crawl into the next room. There's a fire exit there. Yeah. Spend your points. Totally works. All right. See, now that's, that's the level of depth I actually haven't thought of. And that's what I like, the fact that. As, as as outlandish as you can think, the game allows you to go more, like, you know, left field with it. That's awesome. All right. So now this was available through Kickstarter. And um, I do believe you've achieved the goal. Uh, uh, and a little, I got a little, got a little beyond that. Am I correct? Yeah. So we kickstarted this a couple years ago. Um, it's published by a company called Pelgrane Press, who's over in London. Uh, and they're fantastic. Uh, they own the the basic rule set that the game is written around. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, I partnered with them, uh, used their rule set in order to write it. We were when we kickstarted it, we didn't actually ask for that much. We ended up clearing six figures, so mm-hmm. we were incredibly lucky, uh, and people were incredibly kind to us. Um, and then, unfortunately, what that meant is we added about two hundred thousand words to the actual game design. So that it took an awful lot of time to actually finish it up, but I like the final results. All right, cool. Well, you say that's the bad thing almost, man. Yeah. I, like, I like the fact that, you know, it's like, okay, well, we plan to release a pamphlet. We have funds. Okay, let's make this thing thorough. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Bro, no, seriously, I'm like, you say, t- you say pen and paper RPG. First thing that comes to mind is like three kids got together in their basement. It's raining outside, and the bullies are like, you got to come out, you know. So they grab a notebook. And a pencil, and they sit there. Okay, I want to be a wizard. You can't be a wizard. I want to be a wizard. Okay, fine. I want to be an orc. You can't be an orc. I want to be an orc now. But you're a wizard. I want to be an orc wizard. And then you want to punch him in the face. 
this is not that. Okay, this is. Well, I'm, I'm saying, see, there's a stigma that goes along with the concept of RPG, uh, tabletop RPG, pen and paper RPG. Get you, I like, I like it, man. I haven't played one in ever, but I'm I grew up on that. I'm not making a point. Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. you know. Okay, okay. Imagine. Okay, I, I work in a proper company by day. I don't do this. I shrimp out of a van and then you know vend it. <laughs> um, but when I'm uh, in, my, in my on my lunch break there, uh, I play. Uh, like RPGs with coworkers, you know, it started uh-huh. off with Magic: The Gathering mm-hmm. at a proper company. Mm-hmm. These, this is these, this is my adult life, people, you know. And now, and we played D and D for a while. We started playing uh, Time Watch. All right, you know, like, oh, this okay. Is, yeah, this is, these are things that people can do and have fun with and jump mm-hmm. in. And you learn the game fairly quick. Um, I'm sorry, this is this is probably this is supposed to be an interview, and I'm just kind of like. Nah, all right, good. all right. So, Kevin, what kind of returns are you seeing from uh, from? from <laughs> <laughs> well, no, seriously, like this uh, uh, game has apparently like taken off like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. You know, I I heard about it, and that same day I heard like how many people were obsessed with it. I mentioned Time Walks to to my friends who actually play games, and like, oh yeah, dude, I gave that Kickstarter it was great. I'm like, damn, okay, cool, way to you know play it close to the chest. Tell me about it. Um, like, how have you gotten a, a huge response from fans? So we um. I think we had about 2,000, roughly, more or less, people in the Kickstarter itself. And mm-hmm. it's, been selling, it's been selling steadily since then. I mean, right now, there are a whole bunch of time travel TV shows out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That probably can't hurt. You could totally duplicate the TV show Timeless with this. You could duplicate Travelers. Uh, there's, uh, it's designed so that you could pretty much hack it into any time travel movie or television show you want it to be in. Nice. Well, that, I think that, that helps a little bit. Well, was that a lot of that the inspiration uh, for uh, Time Watch and the established storylines in there? Yeah, you know, um, when I wrote it, I didn't want something that was just like, oh, you have to play this one thing. Like, you have to play a time cop. Mm-hmm. Screw that, right? So there's a horror version of it, so you can uh, uh, you can be fighting these supernatural horrors that live outside the time stream and mm-hmm. break their way in. Uh, there's a version that lets you duplicate Quantum Leap. There's a version that's the... <laughs> nice! Oh, boy. That's, oh, boy. you know... Clearly not Doctor Who because there's a really good Doctor Who game out there already. Mm-hmm. But if you want to play something similar, we can do that. Okay, um, there's uh, there's probably there's one where you play people who are just beginning to invent time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. All sorts of different ways that you can play depending on what you happen to find fun. Nice. Yeah. Nice. One of the things that's kind of neat. The uh, I'll give you a quick example of how a game might run. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So if you, uh, there's some spoilers in this, by the way, for the adventure Hatchet and Axe. So if you're going to play that, jump forward three minutes. Okay. So in that adventure, you're in, uh, uh, in during the Cuban Missile Crisis, and you find out that Earth has been turned into a radioactive hellhole because, and you go back in time to figure out why. It turns out that the, yeah. President Nixon screws up negotiations with Khrushchev. Oh, and so somebody far, says, sounds legit. Yeah, historical, Nixon. historically accurate. What happened to Kennedy? Like Nixon's not supposed to be credited. That's what right? I was like, huh? Exactly. That don't, so don't you, add up. So okay. you go track, you go back in time, you track down what happened to Jack Kennedy. He's okay. a barber in South Boston. Wow. And the reason he's a barber in South he Boston lost the election. is no, no, no. He never got into politics because his dad didn't have enough money to send him to private school or to college. Oh. And the reason his dad didn't have enough money to send him to private because school or college. President Woodrow Wilson stamped out organized crime. Well, no. <laughs> kinda. It's because um, uh, according to uh, apparently, uh, there at least some people think that Joe Kennedy made his initial fortune before he invested in Hollywood by bootlegging during Prohibition. Oh, absolutely. And the bad guys oh, oh my, have gone just, back. Did I just like, step on your with, with, like, actual... No, like, no. Oh, okay. yeah. But the bad guys stopped Prohibition from ever happening. All this ripples forward to get oh. nuclear war, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. So you got to go back to 1899 and stop, uh, and stop a uh, pretty prominent uh, person in Prohibition from ever... Uh, ever pushing things that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I love the sound of that. One thing I've always loved is like Elseworld stories too. Yeah. We've talked about this actually. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my obsession with like the, um, like the, uh, what is it, the uh, Stan Lee creates like the, the uh, recreates the DC Universe books. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah, things like that. And uh, like this is right up my alley. I will say though, uh, as someone who's new to, ta- <clears throat> new to tabletop RPGs, I'm mm-hmm. very happy I had someone who's established in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Johnny, you are you you're old school yourself, but you're yep. pretty silent here, man. Um, yeah, uh, so uh, I never played this game before, but I did hear about it. Actually, what you said, there were people that are excited. I heard about it through a friend that also did tabletop RPGs, uh, and they sort of talked about this game and what it was. And them explaining it was like weird. Like I didn't grasp the fact that you could just succeed at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I read through the first 
probably about 50 pages today i was like speed reading through it and i'm reading like uh the the mechanics of the game that are in there and how there's really just two main skill sets the investigation skills and the general's uh uh, skills. Uh, I think I said it right. Skills? Yeah. 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 Uh, um, and like, as like, long as you have uh, a point into your investigation ones, you will always succeed at it. You know the way to think about it? Think about it like, remember the X-Files? There's the yes. X-Files? Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. When Agent Scully does an autopsy, she's mm-hmm. never going to miss the clue because she rolls badly. Yeah. If she does an autopsy, if there's a clue, she's going to find it. Mm-hmm. Works the same way. Yeah. So and, if, I'm, if I'm just that gangster, you know, and I roll, oh, he missed the shot. It's like, no, I didn't. I spend like four points, and then suddenly I missed the shot, or did I? It ricochets off three walls, goes through a ring in the back, creates a puff of smoke, and it looks badass, and then through the guy's head, through the back of the head there, because, you know, I'm that nice. Actually, you can, so from what I read, you can actually make something like that happen, something that's as interesting and badass as what you just described, by dumping more points into your skill. No, totally. That's that's, 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 that's how it happens, just like in real life. If, you know what it's like? It's like the TV show Leverage, or basically mm-hmm. it's, it, is, it is competent people doing their job competently. We refer to it as competence porn, right? You're not yeah. – you play Dungeons and Dragons, you start playing D&D, you kind of suck, right? You just don't yeah. – you miss half the time, right? In this game, when you really need to hit, there's mechanics to help you do that. Yeah, yeah. and it, it also it – uh, I didn't get too far in, but it seems like it's promoting you from being clever with what you're doing, with mm-hmm. with the actions you're doing, and it rewards you, as long as you have, I guess, a, a good GM, it'll reward you with perks and bonuses at the end of the mission, as long as what you did during that mission was awesome. That's what it seemed like yeah, to me. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a cool, um, a cool like, mechanic that's in there, too. I won't, well, I'll let you talk about it, but I just I, I dug the crap out of this. Yeah, this is actually one of the... The the basic game game system that this is based on the points you don't get points back generally speaking during a mission which means you kind of get crappier as you go along and that's because it was designed for horror this is designed for action right you're not if you're gonna punch a dinosaur in the face you want to be able to do that so um, the uh, if you do something awesome other people throw poker chips at you that you can then use to make your to refresh your abilities and do more awesome stuff and that's completely up to the player. Uh, mm-hmm. That's not like built in any specific like structure. It's just like, yo, you did something ill, man. Here's a token. I thought that was, you know, that made the game more fun for all of us. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing that, uh, so anyone out there that is familiar with tabletop games, I, I guess the best way to describe how uh, easy this one is to get into, and I, like I said, I was speed reading through and I already had like a decent grasp for how it works. Mm-hmm. One dice. It's a D6. Yeah. That's all you need. One nice. dice. Mm-hmm. You can get yeah. that anywhere. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of patience for games where I have to keep looking up rules. So I only write stuff where I can keep all the rules in my head. Yep. <laughs> nice. I'm not, not going to lie, man. That was one of the things that bugged me about D&D, too. It's like I played the uh, – I played. I was pretty much the tank character, which doesn't do much but hit hard, which I love because I've got this whole big-ass bag of dice, and I'm rolling, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And I had no patience for spells and things. All I wanted was to throw as many down as I can and get the numbers. This game eliminates that. It's just one big commercial, damn. It's supposed, supposed to be an interview. Um, all I'll say is I like that mechanic. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, so hearing about, I guess, some of the inspiration behind that, I'm guessing you kind of feel like Pat, how just going through all these sort of like Nazi rules of, of other RPGs where you have to like really, you have typically like one or two people that absolutely know the rules and the moment you try doing something clever they're like no 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 you gotta roll this rule forget, <laughs> forget about you do that finger you give them like, I don't even want to play no more yeah, forget mm-hmm. about looking up the rule set for like initiating a grapple like forget about it it <laughs> starts going crazy oh those good old days uh, and don't get me wrong right I love all sorts of games and I played I had a D&D campaign that lasted 16 years right wow so, um, mm. so I love all sorts of stuff but for this I hope you won if saying. it's if it's a time travel game, you kind of want it to be high action, right? You want cyborgs and laser beams and dinosaurs and that sort of stuff. Yep. And for that, you need something light and fast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of like to see um, uh, since, Str- uh, since uh, Stranger Things was so heavily based in D and D. Let's see season two heavily based in Time Watch, mm. and they like travel back to the future. And there's like you know riding Hitler like you know a, a, a horse. Like, <laughs> I so I have a question for you. Uh, reading reading through this, it seems like the story writing and the world building becomes that much more difficult. 
uh, to do because you have because dealing with time in a storyline can be pretty daunting uh, because there there can be instances where you kind of create plot holes like uh, what was that movie Interstellar that had a major plot hole because of time travel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like w- once you realize that there is this big plot hole it kind of ruins the experience so I'm I'm just wondering for this uh, time watch thing. Uh, do you find it at all to be difficult for uh, a game master to sort of come up with their own campaign? I mean, I what I saw there, it seems like there's a lot of different campaigns they can go through, but how difficult do you, do you think it would be for a game master to just come up with their own campaign? Pretty easy, all things considered. What you describe, which I usually describe as paradox, like you think yeah. of the end of Back to the Future when Michael J. Fox starts to disappear, mm-hmm. all that's built <laughs> into the game. Yep. So basically, um, there's things that you can do that end up causing paradox, um, as you start to, you have basically your willpower keeps you anchored in the time stream. That starts to erode, you start to vanish. And if you um, drop below zero in that, you start to fade, like literally fade away. Mm-hmm. You drop below negative six and time decides that you're incredibly irritating and turns you into <laughs> another person. And your friends have to track you down what happened to you. And if you drop before negative 12, you don't exist. You never existed. Everyone has to redo every mission that you've ever been on and they're incredibly annoyed at you, but they don't remember who to blame. Um, oh, wow! Uh, but the uh, so so basically, if you go back and kill somebody's um, grandfather or something like that, there's mechanics in the game that just make that totally seamless. What I found is, I'll tell you what makes this game easy to run: Wikipedia. Holy mm-hmm. crap! Um, it would be incredibly hard to run this without quick online resources. But I can come up with a pretty good game plot in ten minutes, fifteen minutes, like half an hour tops. Mm-hmm. If I'm spending more than twenty minutes on it, I'm trying too hard. So it's not that bad. We had a uh, game not that long ago where one of the bad guys, and there's a bunch of bad guys in the game. There's sentient cockroaches from the far future. Okay, gross. Um, there are um, <laughs> psychic dinosaurs from an alternate reality where the meteor never hit the Earth who are huh. really irritated that humankind reset things. Uh, oh, one of the bad guys I'm is... I like this vermin. What's that about? Yeah, one of the bad guys <laughs> is a sentient language. So it's a language that's self-aware that wants to be learned and wants to be spoken. And but when you learn too much and it colonizes you and turns you into a giant hive mind, Jeez. and uh, in that adventure, <laughs> the uh, the heroes find out that someone accidentally infected Taylor Swift with that right before Shake It Off came out, and so overnight, <laughs> pretty much half the world is infected. So, you know, I didn't need a lot of work to come up with that plot. Let's be honest, that was five minutes on Wikipedia and trolling for a couple photographs. Like that was it. So, uh, I mean, most of the time I spent was trying to find Shake It Off on YouTube so I could play it for people. Yep. Um, so, anyways, it's if you want to do this hardcore historical thing, you can do that, and there's a lot of good resources for that, but you don't have to. Right, oh, so, yeah. Kevin but admitting he's a closet Taylor Swift fan. We've got to be, sir. <laughs> closet. <laughs> now, that was, just an excuse. That, was, that was just an excuse to play your favorite song for you. It's like, okay, look, you know, I want to I wanna give you details about the game I made. Sure, here, play this video. I'm just going to be in the back like this. <laughs> All right, so... Kevin Culp, Radio Time Watch, you want to give our listeners, anyone who's surprisingly not in the know, how they can get down with Time Watch. Absolutely. So this is published by a company called Pelgrane Press, and you can head over to pelgranepress.com. That's P-E-L-G-R-A-N-E, press.com, uh, slash Time Watch, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can track it down there. They have it digitally in PDF. They've got the hard covers. The book's pretty gorgeous. Full cover. Yeah, no kidding. Full color, about 390 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. the, uh, there's I can show our Twitch audience. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I can show our yeah. Twitch audience. The listeners on EMF uh, Radio, you better get up on that. Yeah, yeah there's about uh, 300,000 words in that. Lots of different uh, ways to play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they will send it to you. Cool. You can also, but before anything else, check your local game store. Because if they have it, that's where to buy it. Indeed, the game is Time Watch. Look, look it up at your old game store or go to pellgrainpress.com. Or you can actually uh, probably track down uh, Kevin on yeah. Twitter. On yeah, Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Kevin Culp uh, or at, at TimeWatchRPG. All right. All right. So, oh, Kevin, thank you very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. All right. Now, Jay, I'll look across the table, my man. Yes, yes. You've got the inside stuff on WWE Royal Rumble. Absolutely. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Royal Rumble because I'm excited about the next story. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The man said this is a passe. He's not excited. But I'm, he's got, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Bro. I'm not going to front. I'm not. I mean, you kind of run of the run of the mill WWE event. So Royal Rumble took place. The Royal Rumble uh, were? It was, man. It was. I mean, 30 men? 30 men. 30 men, man. To the death? 
You you overselling this, brother? You overselling? <laughs> All right, so this took place in San Antonio this past Sunday. Of course, what WWE is doing with their major four pay-per-views is that they're linking it up with NXT. So NXT has their TakeOver event, too. Mm-hmm. So NXT TakeOver happened the night before. Um... Um, in San Antonio as well. Just quick, down and dirty with that. I'm not going to give you the whole thing. But the one thing I do want to highlight is um, the Authors of Pain was able to scoop up the tag team title, the NXT tag team title for DIY. It's not really surprising at all that they got the tag title. It's just kind of what it is. It was a blah, honestly. Um, but the big event was when Bobby Roode captured the NXT title from Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm-hmm. We all know that at some point Nakamura is going to make his appearance on a WWE main event roster. But it was great to see Bobby Roode just make it happen. Uh, Bobby Roode's been a guy who's been in the game for a long time, um, wrestling in TNA for a long time. And for him to be able to finally capture the gold in NXT, we know he's going to have a little more time in NXT before he gets pulled up to the main event roster. But it was really good for Nakamura to be able to drop the belt to him, mm-hmm. uh, to Bobby Roode. And we'll see what what happens from there. Um, that's all I want to give you all for NXT. Let's roll into the Royal Rumble. Yeah, boy. Uh, all right, so I'm going to tell you the Royal Rumble match. I'll save that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Let me talk about the matches. Um, there's one match that I that I saw some of but didn't get a chance to finish, and it's when Sheamus and Cesaro dropped the belts to the club, to Gallows and Anderson. I'm a little angry about how that went down. It happened during the pre-show. Mm-hmm. And, hey, I'm sorry, fans. If you're mad at me, so be it. Hit me up on the geek down, hey, screaming hey, and yelling. Hey, hey. I don't watch the pre-show. My understanding is that if it's on the pre-show and it wasn't on the main card, it tells me that the match wasn't worth watching to begin with. What? That's how you I look at it. Fiend, sir. So, for you to put a tag team title match mm-hmm. on the pre-show is a slap in the face. Because how am I going to catch well, the pre-show? Put that on the regular show. Nah, they're trying to inspire. Not, not to contradict you, brother, but Go I feel ahead. like this is their way of trying to inspire by doing it differently. Uh, folks actually watch the pre-show so they can take in the whole pay-per-view. You know what I'm saying? That's it's not like, me. That's yo, like get cats interested. And that's, also, that's what they're going to that's, that's they're gonna shuffle out the lesser knowns, you know what I'm saying, to actually get cats to check them out on a more regular basis. Put the lesser knowns on a pre-show is what I suspect. But don't put the tag team title match on the pre-show. That's like saying nah, we're, we're going to have we're gonna have a uh, a quarter zero for a football game happen during the pre-show, and then when then when Rick at 7 o'clock hits for the actual football game to start, there's already a score that happened. Nah. It's like, nah, man, I, when I tune in on this time, I'm expecting certain things to happen at this time. Nah, brother, don't, nobody... don't, show, don't, don't show me, like, five minutes of a movie, five minutes early. <laughs> like, tell me, you say the joint starts at 7? It starts at 7. Nah, I don't want to like be like, oh, I should have tuned in at 6.30. Then I would have saw the tag team title switch hands. All right, look at you this way. I mean? Look at this way. No one goes to a, t- to a, uh, to a uh, boxing title fight and watches the undercard matches. Exactly. Catch the, no, what I'm saying is, but if you went and suddenly um, uh, uh, Lennox Lewis comes out of retirement to fight Tommy Hearns. I'm mad that I'm, that's happening then. Tell Lennox Lewis and Tommy Hearns to wait. Nah. Wait till to 7 o'clock when the show starts. It gets your ass in that seat earlier. Man, yeah, they, they have to. They, they need tickets to sell. <laughs> all right, all right. I hear what you say. I hear what you say. So okay, up, all right. So I'll eat that a little bit. Shame on me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the club got the tag team title, so it was great for them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, let's see how this how long this runs. I mean, I don't have faith in WWE and letting them hold on to the belts that long. Um, the, the Owens kept his belt, which was good for him. It was really good for him, uh, for him to keep the belt against Reigns um, with Jericho hanging from the top. The only thing I was interested about this is that Owens took a couple of big bumps. Um, one bump was that they um, he stacked like, I don't know, maybe like 10 chairs on top of each other. What? And he got back body dropped into the pile of chairs. Like, chairs were opened. It wasn't like just like a bunch of folded chairs. He was a open... Open aluminum chairs, and he just went right through yeah, them. That sounds telegraphed. So I mean, was he like, may as well just like, put a bullseye on the middle. You know, I mean, that's what the spots are. All the spots are telegraphed, man. All the wrestling spots are. Yeah, but I mean, for him to take a bump like that, it's just like, ugh, bruh. You know, it's like, man, he he's hurting today. He hurting this morning. I mean, I know, I know, he was on Monday Night Raw. I caught some of it before the show started, but some, hey, it's what on, it is. Is that on some Shane O'Mac off the top uh, off the top of the cage stuff? Not that good. I mean, okay, Shane O'Mac right. almost died. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when Shane O'Mac prayed and did the sign across before he jumped. <laughs> And Undertaker dove out the way because he went about to have Shane O'Mac fall through the him. And Mac just went straight through the table. Ooh, yeah, man. That was ugly. That, that was right. mankind ugly. All right, so you kept the suspense, man. Give us the lowdown. We're running so, out of time. Yeah, I know we're running out of time. We're running out of time. All right, so real down and dirty. Um, Cena went up against Styles. Cena became the 16 time world champion, mm-hmm. tying Ric Flair. Um, a lot of folks are angry about that, that no one should have been tying Ric Flair. Like, oh, no on. one ties Ric Flair. Ric Flair is the man. That's Nature Boy. 
I like Nate. Cena. I like Cena. I think he's earned his due. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. You don't tie really? Nate. All right, Nate. That's, Nate. That's, that's that's a legend. Woo. But I mean, woo. You know, you're right. You're right. That's Nate, man. You don't tie for Nate. I mean, when you have Killer Mike having a song called Ric Flair, you the man. But any of it, um, he tied Nate, and it's what it is. I mean, it was all right. Um, you have Daniel Tosh. You know, par- uh, parroting Ultimate Warrior. That's when you had, and that's the level of prestige we're talking about here. Pretty so much. Go ahead with your name. <laughs> but, so, hey, it's what it is. Uh, it was a nice match. It was all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, New Japan threw some shade on it too, which was hilarious because um, we all know that the best match of, of man, I say within the past 10, 15 years mm-hmm. was Kenny Omega versus, um, Versus Okada, um, which was a couple weeks back, and I did a review on it real briefly. Um, but they threw some shade on them on Twitter, um, saying that that Cena and AJ Styles match was nice, but it was nowhere near as good as ours, which was which is absolutely correct. Royal Rumble match, honestly, there was no surprises at all, and that's what made it run the mill. I was expecting somebody to come out, someone we haven't seen in a long time, or maybe a brand new star that got an indie scene um, to make a debut. Nothing. It was just the same old WWE guys, and the same old guy won. It was Randy Orton, another old guy who won. And it's frustrating because you have a lot of young blood there. And you telling me you couldn't give none of these young guys an opportunity to be able to win the Royal Rumble? Just, just for just for seeing it. Oh, yeah, second time winning it. Damn. And don't get me wrong, I like Orton. Mm-hmm. But for pro wrestling standards, he's an old guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, he started when he was like 20 or something like that. He was the youngest world champion. Um, but, I mean, he's still considered an old guy. He's probably like 34, 35. But in pro wrestling years, he's an old dude. Yeah, and yeah. for him to get the title, I mean, for him to win at WrestleMania, I mean, at um, Royal Rumble, it was blah, honestly. It was blah. The only good thing that came out of this is that Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10, came out at number 10. So that was the only thing that was pretty good. Other than that, that's all I got for Royal Rumble. I give it a C or I give it a, you got the network, watch it. It's not really a rush to watch it. Um, you got the network, just check it out. You, you didn't miss anything real big. Um, but that's really it about the Royal Rumble. I know we got a little bit of time for the next story. Yeah, dang, kind of a bummer. But thank you, brother. You're welcome. All right, so just this past week, uh, BET ran a biopic, adding, yeah, adding to the legacy of the Jackson story and the story of the Temptations. Now we have the story of New Edition. Yes. New Edition, Boston-based original boy band, original recipe boy band. All right, before there was Backstreet Boys, before there was 98 Degrees, before there was New Kids on the Block, there was five skinny-ass black kids from Boston. That's so right. New edition. I got to check this out. You got to check it out, Absolutely. my brother? Absolutely. I had to be sure to check it out before my black car got pulled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, they give the people. Black folks that came after me, boy, if I see that. <laughs> updating Facebook is right on your wall. You check it out, your brother? I'm watching. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, so go want to give the people your initial impressions. I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I had to catch the, I had to catch it in on 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 demand. The first two episodes, mm-hmm. I had to binge watch those in time for me to catch the third episode. I think that was actually the best way to see it. <laughs> it, it was it was easier to do it that way as opposed to the big giant break somewhere in between. Because I mean, yeah. these things are two hours a piece. So we're talking a mm-hmm. six hour, mm-hmm. three part series, and it was done very very well. Um, I read Bobby Brown's book a few months back, and it just. Much of the stuff that he said in his book went along with it. And the good part about the whole thing is they had all five members, excuse me, all, all six, six members. Yes. Um, they were all co-executive producers on it, so they could be able to get their say in it. And just even the way they went like about it was too, awesome. I because that made sure it was more respectful to them. They didn't go, some of it was dramat, was uh, dramatized, but they didn't go like nth degree to make anyone seem too outlandish, too unrealistic, and go for like, you know, some super, oh, the supernatural guy that brought the group down or something, or, you know, this turmoil, you know, a hurricane swept the bus, nothing like that. They kept it within realistic bounds and still told the good story absolutely man i mean the the writer of the script um he actually went to each member and interviewed each member individually and then wrote the script and showed it to all of them to the point where there are members of the group who are like wow that happened oh man i didn't even know like for instance um hey if you ain't seen it shame on you need to go see it so it's a spoiler (laughs) let me throw out there the fact that ralph tresvan got approached when he was a kid yes um by um uh, uh, by uh, Maurice Starr, mm-hmm. who also founded New Kids on the Block. So when yes, Pat said that the um, the foundation of boy bands is New Edition, it is. Mm-hmm. Because it would be no ki- New Kids on the Block if it wasn't for New Edition. Um, so Maurice Starr approached um, Ralph Tresvan first and offered him a solo deal when he was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And Ralph Tresvan turned it down and was just like, listen, man, this is OP or Orchard Park. This OP. Down for his people. This is, this is my people's. So I'm not, you take me, you take them all. Mm-hmm. And none of the group knew that he did that. Mm-hmm. So that was like a big shocker for them. Ricky Bell. Like, having a drug problem. A lot of people did not know that, That I actually man. did not know, and I actually researched that after I saw it. Mm-hmm. Not until I actually saw this biopic that I have any information. I, I, it's safe to say I, I think I liked it, too. 
Um, I did not know, have that information, and then I didn't realize how how severe it was. Mm-hmm. Also, for some reason, like this actually cleared up something for me when they when they showed them like together. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I always got uh, uh like the, the faces of Ricky Bell mm-hmm. and uh, and um and uh, and uh, and Michael, um, Bivins. Uh, Michael Bivins. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, reversed, mm-hmm. and I'm like I, I'm always thinking like I'm listening to Ricky. I'm listening to uh, to Michael Bivins on like the radio, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yo. That's that short dude, yeah. From from New Edition, he's, he's done well for himself. Though. And no, this this cleared that up for me. Um, I do also really want to call out the acting in this. Like, Absolutely. I didn't realize that the these guys had so specific speaking styles and mannerisms until I watched this, and I'm like, yo. This actor actually speaks just like I've heard, you know, Ricky Bell speak, just like I've heard uh, Michael Biffin speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, this dude, then Bobby Brown, nailed it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the kid actor the, and then the adult actor yeah. nailed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, between him, I think I actually have to call out him and uh, and the guy who played Michael Biffin's. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really nailed it, including, uh, uh, again, the cadence. Mm-hmm. That's what really got me because I believed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think the I didn't think the teenage Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Bivens looked too much like him, mm-hmm. uh, but he sounded and acted exactly mm-hmm. like it was spot on. I was damned impressed. You don't only see that mm-hmm. kind of act, that level of acting mm-hmm. on on just like random television, you know. I mean, mind you, that's was Bashir Gray, I believe his name is, played Michael Bivens, who's on Empire, um, who's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. A, record, a recording artist himself. So I mean, he he did a he did a great job as Michael Bivens. Right, wait, what kind of music, man? Don't say like poker or something. Nah, I mean, you know, hip hop, R and B sort of thing, mostly rap. I, I, I gotta ask, man. If I don't, <laughs> it's like, yes, he's one of the greatest Spanish flamenco. You know, like, <laughs> it was funny. He was actually on the Daily Show um, <coughs> um, doing pub for the movie, and he was talking about how his mama was like, "Hey, so what role did you get?" He goes, "I play Michael Bivens." She goes, "You better not mess that up. That's my baby." <laughs> and he's just like, "All right, mama, man, I go mess up Michael Bivens. Sorry, mama." <laughs> Oh, um, I do have to call too. Like I mentioned, it mm-hmm. is dramatic. It is a uh, uh, dramatized. Dramatized. Where did I get that word from? I don't, I don't know. Bro. All right, but uh, dramatization, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is dramatized, and like they still kept it within like a respectable means of. I think some things were uh, parsed down and edited just mm-hmm. so they would make more sense within the time they had. Because mm-hmm. uh, the entire um, situation with the law firm that got them out of their uh, out of their contract with yeah. Star, yep. and then ended up screwing them with their contract with MCA. Yep. That's like that's like. 14 people in two different companies and they parsed that down to one guy yeah. uh, played by Michael Rappaport naturally who always plays the shady white guy in hip hop movies he does, he but does. I, I, I love him though man he's, he's, he's like the one he's, he's like the one like you know a white dude who's always got a ghetto pass always like he's always welcome you know just cuz he be jumping yeah. the gun sometimes, but I give him this dude. <laughs> you talking about higher learning? No, I'm talking about when he jumped the gun and said that uh, the only reason Ronda Rousey's fight got stopped because she had white girl privilege. It was like, nah, her fight got stopped, ho, because she was, she was getting rocked. That's yeah. why. White girl privilege and 47 punches straight to the nose. Like, so he, know, he jumped the, the gun. Same. I was like, I hear you, but not in this case, homie. She got rocked. She yeah. got rocked. But yeah. go ahead. Um, it play it, it plays through the uh, new edition story. It gives a lot of good background information. Mm-hmm. Um, plays through the story till about 2005 and culminates at the... Uh, was it 25th or 30th? 25th. Uh, 25th BET uh, uh, anniversary celebration, which was a beautiful performance. And all of the music in this was spot on. It was a lot of recreations of the New Edition songs that I thought were done really well. I mean, even the videos. They, they recreated the videos. And yeah. that was just amazing to see that. It really was. In 2016, these are guys that were willing to wear the If It Isn't Love costumes. It's grown-ass men in, like, ballet slippers. And, like, the, uh, anyways, like, the, 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 the the lowest of the low of early 90s fashion. Uh, and they did it beautifully. Um, I also like how they didn't shy away from some of the more harder hitting uh, uh, performances. Like when, okay, we talked about uh, Bell's, Bell's uh, drug habit. Mm-hmm. When this dude broke down, I mean, yeah, spoilers, obviously. But, um, mm-hmm. but this stuff happened in history, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when he uh, when he collapsed. Mm-hmm. And, well, for not two scenes, when, um, when Stroh. Had the uh, had the heart attack and then they had the, they had that that oh, second yeah. fight that was all mm-hmm. emotional. Yep. I damn near teared up. Me too. I felt the emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm like, again, this dude has to be what like 16, 17? Mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there growing ass man like, his uncle's having a heart attack, man. <laughs> My girlfriend's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I don't know what you. Yeah, and I'm crying. Like, that um, was sad, man. I mean, it, even, it was, even that little emotional speech they had rough. afterwards when Bobby and DeVoe had that speech before DeVoe, DeVoe's wedding. It was yes. just like, yes. I knew at that day I went too far. Like, oh, mm. man, I, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. For Bobby Brown to tell him, you know, I know I went too far when he had the stroke and you got mad at me. Because yeah. everybody else got mad at me, yeah, but you were the one who kept it together. And when I pissed you off that day, I knew I went way too far. I was just like, ooh, mm. man. That's in, that's in his book, too, right? 
Um, yeah, it was. I'm pretty sure it was. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, a lot of his book was New Edition, but his life and him and Whitney. So yeah. the New Edition piece was enough. Man. But I mean, the the only thing the only thing that shot away from the book is the Gumby, um, because they, <laughs> so they rushed through the Gumby. Um, they rushed through the Gumby on a movie. But actually, the one thing I felt that robbed is because when Bobby Sorry, Bobby, uh, pause, go who doesn't know the Gumby was Bobby Brown's signature hairstyle. Yes. that he wore. It was basically just a, a, a flat top with a slant. And a slant happened because a guy was checking out some chick walking by, mm-hmm. and he cut Bobby's hair messed up. The one thing the movie did is show Bobby be upset about it. But in actuality, Bobby was upset about it. Mm-hmm. Then he kept the beard. He stared. He goes, you know what? I can make this work. And, it was, and that's why Bobby said, let's keep it rolling. And he was like, I can fix it. Bobby's like, no, no, no. I think I can make this work. And that's how you see the signature Gumby. And um, was it the humping around? Every uh, little step. Um, um, it, prerogative? Every little step. Every little step. Okay. Every little yes, step video. He had that red. Yeah, had that red tech, little yes, thing. Right. Which yeah, they, in, in which, the white void. For some reason, was very popular back then. Which, of course, if you haven't seen it, Mike Tyson did an amazing job. Him and Wayne Brady did an amazing parody of Every Little Step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the event, in the, mo- in the um, actual miniseries, mm-hmm. they recreate that video for Bobby. So, like, all of them have their own recreated videos. Yeah, recreation of, which, of Poison, yeah. a recreation of um, of all of them. So, it's pretty good. All of it. Very well done. Um, mm-hmm. I was damn impressed. I, I can't recommend anyone check this out highly enough. Uh, go online. You should be able to catch it. I'm not sure if it's on Netflix just yet, but... I know if you go to a BET.com, you can probably get it. My only mm-hmm. beef mm-hmm. with it, the only negative I can say, uh, is, this is my own personal one, is it was a BET production, mm-hmm. and you can tell it was a BET production. <laughs> the points it just had, it just had those those familiar earmarks. Like at one point, you know, we got actual beef, and I got to uh, you know acclimate to the new guy. So now we're gonna sit down and have a heart to heart out of nowhere, apropos of nothing. Just you know, yeah, man. So we have no reason to be in this room together whatsoever. I think I actually met you four minutes ago, but now let's work out these issues that you had that aren't even with me. Like, <laughs> uh, okay, you know, um, all like the big turmoil culminates at either a wedding. A graduation, a concert, or <laughs> seriously, yeah. and what do they have? A wedding, where like the big uh, turmoil between them culminated. Uh, their performance, you know, uh, difficulties culminated <laughs> at one big concert where mm-hmm. they finally worked together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, it, 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 you all like seriously, the same template that y'all been using for 20 years somehow worked its way into this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I like the movie. Uh, everything besides those, and I, I think uh, Johnny Gill's teeth. For some reason, that brother's like every time he smiles, like oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> could sing his ass off. But that's all I could he's see. Like, he's like Broadway trained, brother. I mean, uh, yeah, but, yeah, Broadway trained. And he's like you know siphoning through Baleen there. You know? <laughs> and anyways, um, <laughs> it was new edition on BET. I think we run out of time. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I highly recommend you check it out. See ya. If you're a fan of music as a whole, this is it's an I would say it's an American staple because we 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 pay homage to boy bands. We may laugh at it, but many of us listen to Backstreet Boys. Yeah. We listen to New Kids on the Block. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is the the this is the, the center of it, recipe. the original recipe of it, mm-hmm. and it all started by some chubby black dude from from doing Chester <laughs> yeah. who was a charlatan. Uh, <laughs> took these, took these poor kids from the projects and, and recreated it and made made an empire. And did the same thing again with poor white kids on the projects. He the did. Same thing. He Except did, he didn't man. have he, he probably didn't get nearly as much money from the poor white kids he didn't get from poor black kids. But New kids on the block pioneers of appropriation. Uh, no, sorry. Okay, no, I, I, I like. No, I'll, 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 cut, them, cut them a break, man. Alright, this has been the Geek Down here on WEMF. I want to thank y'all for joining us for another action-packed, fun-filled episode after we got past that initial round of death. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, you can check us out at WEMFradio.com slash, well, just do a search for Geek Down and we'll come up. Also, hopefully you've been watching us on Twitch. If you haven't, you can check us out every week at twitch.tv slash thegeekdown. One mm-hmm. word. Also, hit us up on YouTube and check out the videos that we post every week of the episodes and of our random hijinks at YouTube slash GeekDown. Also, SoundCloud. You can get all this goodness parsed down in nice, neat little edited uh, tidbits there for you at SoundCloud slash the GeekDown. You can't get rid of us. We're all over the place. On Instagram, the GeekDown. Look us up on iTunes, the GeekDown. Anywhere your mama doesn't want you to be, the GeekDown. And also check us out on geek-down.com if you have heard anything on this episode you want to chime in on hit us up at geekdownradio at gmail.com and I know I just threw a ton of links at you all this stuff is on our bio page on everything on YouTube on Instagram on SoundCloud and all. so basically you find Facebook. us on one you'll have the information for all of them until next week until next Monday I want to thank just Johnny you I want to thank my brother JM. Peace, peace. The Thriller Priest. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank our in-house guest Kevin Culp. Absolutely. And check out Time Watch. You can find it at... 
Hellgradenpress.com slash timewatch. All right, cool. Thank you. And I wish I hadn't smacked my microphone else. That would have been flawless. <laughs> All right. <laughs> want to thank DJ Herbie Herb. My man. All right, I want to remind you all you can catch us next Monday night. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, be excellent to each other. Peace. Peace.